welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is bikran sandhu from rise 48 equity welcome bikran yep thanks rama happy to be here Yeah, thank you. A little bit about Bikran. Bikran Sandhu is the CFO and COO and co-founder of Rise 48 Equity. Bikran's main responsibilities include overseeing and writing, transaction management, asset management, and investor relations, and distribution for all assets acquired by Rise 48 Equity. Bikran also oversees accounting, treasury, and financial planning and analysis for Rise 48 Equity. Bikran has a professional background in audit and assurance services where he worked at PW. WC, LLP, and audited Fortune 100 companies as well as pre-IPO companies. With that, Bikran, would you like to add anything to your background? Yeah, no, you essentially covered it, Rama. I used to work as a corporate auditor, reviewed uh, financial statements of, you know, some of the largest companies and some of the, you know, emerging companies out there and, and help perform financial analysis over key areas. About three years ago, my fiance, Alice, and I, we decided that we didn't want to work in the corporate world for 30 plus years and, and decided to kind of get into real estate investing. And, uh, you know, we wanted to start building our passive cash flow and generational wealth. And uh, since then, Uh, we built up our company Rise 48 Equity and and have acquired about 10 properties in the span of 3 uh, years. Awesome, awesome. And would you share your thought process of getting into real estate and multifamily? What is the reason? Yeah, I mean, the main reason, you know, is is to make sure that we want to spend time with our families at the end of the day, right? We don't want to have just one source of income that's kind of feeding our entire family. So, we wanted to start building up that passive cash flow revenue stream and you know, we kind of got started by reading books, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Multifamily Millions, just you know, the standard books that you would read. And um we started thinking about it more and more and um you know, started attending started attending local meetup groups, uh, national meetup groups, uh, trying to find partners and stuff. So that's really what kind of got us started. We developed the why of getting into the deals, into real estate investing. And from there, we ended up uh, just kind of pursuing it. You know, we set goals and started pursuing it. Awesome. And so you have experience in accounting and auditing stuff, right? So what skills from your previous uh, experiences translating into multifamily space? Yeah, uh, and I'm happy to talk about that Rama. So, my area of expertise revolves around financial analysis. On the front end, when we're pursuing a deal, I'm very heavily involved in the underwriting and analysis of the deal. I look at certain metrics, you know, how much loss to lease is built into the property, what type of renovations we can do, interior, exterior, and how fast and and how high can we increase the rents. And, you know, assuming everything works out, we we start looking at investor returns, uh, you know, the return metrics uh, to take to our inv- investors and see if it's a good deal to pursue. Once we close the deal, I'm very heavily involved in the asset management. We have an asset manager at Rise 48 Equity. She reports directly to me and um, her main job is, you know, to make sure that the operations are running smoothly at the properties and um, she visits the properties on a weekly basis uh, and she also makes sure that the CapEx plan, our business plan that we presented to our investors that we're executing that plan appropriately. So she reports up to me and And I, you know, I review KPIs 
physical occupancy collections on a, on a weekly basis. I look at the GL on a weekly basis to make sure all the expenses are uh, appropriate and reasonable. So I'm, I'm involved on the back end there. And then on a monthly basis, my VP of Investor Relations, she puts together the investor reporting workbooks and uh, I'm reviewing those summaries and, and making sure that everything that we're telling our investors is is accurate and, and appropriate. So both those you know roles report up to me and then I'm doing distributions for our investors on a monthly basis to make sure we get money back to our investors' hands. Okay, cool. Thank you. And how did you meet your partner and how exactly you formed your company? You know? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, back when we first started about three years ago, we, you know, multifamily isn't something that is popular, popular all around the nation. Uh, so we joined a national group where our main goal really was A, to find deals if we could, but B, more importantly, was to find partners. We knew this is not, you know, a one person pony show. So we needed to get partners to, to get these deals going. So we, we joined the group and we knew the area we wanted to get into was Phoenix. Um, so we just went to the Facebook, you know, the Facebook group for that national group and, and just looked for anybody that was located in Phoenix, essentially. And um, we came across Zach Haptonstall and, and Robert Shevchik, who are our co-founders at Rise 48 Equity. We met them and, you know, their skills complemented my skills. I was very good on the back office and and the underwriting, anything that really had to do with Excel. And they were very good with maintaining broker relationships, uh, maintaining equity partners. So our skills just kind of complemented very well. And uh, we just hit it off right from the beginning. So yeah, that's where we kind of found it, you know, um, going through going through meetups, local, you know, national chapters and, and whatnot to, to make sure we found the right partners to work with. Okay, thank you. And would you share the name of the national group that yeah, it was Brad Sumrocks. Brad, I, I keep forgetting the name of his, I think it's the R2R where we went um, and uh, we joined his uh, personal mentoring program and that's how we kind of got to know everybody. Got it. Yeah. And so let's get into your recent deal, like which completed like full cycle, so uh, district floors on 12 units in Phoenix, Arizona. So would you share more about that day, like how you acquired and how you implemented your business plan and so and your plan? Yeah, no, of course. Happy to go through that one, Rama. So we bought that deal in March 2020. Um, it was an off-market transaction. We actually got that deal from a broker that had brought us uh, Villa Serena, which was the first deal that we syndicated. He knew we were looking for a deal to take down and, you know, he had this one come up. And within a couple of weeks of uh, having access to the financials and and being able to tour it, we put in an LOI and, and we won it. We closed that in March 2020. And uh, last year with COVID-19, it was a little scary. You know, we didn't know what we were getting into because of COVID-19. Uh, we knew the property very well. We knew our business plan very well. Um, but because the economy was shutting down, instead of, you know, going in and uh, renovating all the units uh, right away, as our plan kind of had, we, we just said, you know, we're going to hold everything liquid. We're going to just run the property as is, make sure we get a good understanding of what COVID-19 is going to do. And uh, once we have a good grasp of it, then we'll start implementing our business plan or amended business plan as needed. So we bought it March 2020. We held it just on a cash flow basis, didn't renovate anything major. We just fixed up the roofs. Uh, you know, they needed a little bit of contingency repairs and uh, we just held it. And uh, up until September, October, um, you know, with COVID-19, we thought we were going to be at 
80% occupancy, 60% collections, but that was not the case. We ended up, uh, you know, collecting around 98 to 99% of total rents. We were fully, we were raising rents. We were fully occupied when we bought it and uh, we were fully occupied throughout September. So we actually increased rents by about five, 6% uh, right after we took over and we didn't, we didn't see anything, any major impact. So starting in September, you know, we started renovating units and we started uh, increasing our rents to our pro forma, but again, quickly realized our pro forma was so out of date. Our units were being rented sight unseen. So we had to increase those rents as well. So we finally, you know, caught up to the market. And um, up until January of this year, we had renovated about 12 to 15 units in district flats, had shown the potential for the next guy to kind of come in and take it to the next level and uh, listed it off market to uh, for sale. And um, throughout the entire time, you know, the, the main purpose of our operations was because we were going through COVID-19, we didn't want to spook the investors or, you know, spook the tenants. We didn't want to, we want to, we kept it really nice and, and lean operations. And um, we renovated the units and rented those out within one to two weeks of, reno of completed renovations. And um, since then, you know, we, we listed it and uh, we sold it off market to, to another group out of, uh, I believe, Florida. But, uh, you know, that deal did really well for us. We, we projected to increase our NOI by about 24% in the first year. And that was primarily due to operational cost cutting. You know, their, the payroll that the current property manager was really high, for example. And we came in and cut that day one, but uh, we ended up increasing our NOI from projected at 24% to around 34%. So a 10% above what we had projected. Our uh, rental increases, we increased rents by about 10% in the first year, even though we had projected 0%. So it was a very, you know, a very good deal for us. We finally sold it in May. So about, you know, three, four days ago, actually sent the news out to everybody our, on a project level. We had a 1.95 equity multiple in just 14 months. And that's around an 80, 83% IRR, which, uh, you know, which is phenomenal for this market. We, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a good learning experience. Um, it was the first, you know, syndication where we were doing monthly distributions. So it was a very good, uh, very, very good deal for us. So did you face any challenging experiences in this deal? Yeah, there was definitely some challenge at the beginning. Uh, you know, it's uh, with COVID-19 in place, we, we didn't want to rock the boat too much. Um, when we took over the deal, we were 100% occupied and, uh, you know, units were kind of flying off the shelf almost. And some of the operators that we know, they had taken the stance of, hey, we're not going to sign new leases, right? And that's because, because of the eviction moratorium, uh, Rama. And uh, people were, uh, or the landlords were essentially saying, hey, we're going to bring you in month to month. That way, if you stop, paying, we can kick you out. So one that was one of the things that we had kind of explored because, you know, if you had a lease with the eviction moratorium in place, you could potentially get somebody in, they would stop paying and you, you couldn't uh, evict them, right? So uh, we we made sure our property managers were working very closely with the residents to make sure that if we were offering leases, they were going to the right people, right? So, you know, we ended up with a couple bad eggs in, in district flats, but uh, we did our best, you know, to, to get 
the the right tenants in place and and the ones that couldn't pay we help them help them out with renter assistance but there's always somebody who likes to take advantage of these things so we had a couple tenants that just came in and uh, after about three four months just stopped paying rent um, you know that that we had to kind of go through and and make sure that we took care of those tenants through renter assistance or if they you know if they were just not gonna work with us we ended up uh, kind of doing a cash for keys thing where we just told them hey just leave the property and and we'll give you cash for your turning in the keys and you know we'll renovate that unit and get it out to somebody else got it so what was your initial exit exit strategy for this deal yeah, our initial plan, Rama, was to renovate 100% of the property, refinance after about a couple of years, and then just hold it for cash flow. And uh, we we were just in a position in, in the beginning of this year to be able to sell the deal and hit a, at least a 1.8 equity multiple for our investors. So when when we get to that threshold, typically for any deal that we have, we, we kind of go back to the drawing board and ask, hey, does it make sense to keep holding the deal and cash flowing it and, and maybe get to a certain metric up after, after three, four years? Or does it make sense to kind of exit it now, give back all our uh, investor money and, and then uh, put that into another deal? So an initial exit plan uh, was to sell it after five years, fully renovated, you know, on market and leave some meat on the bone for the next guy. But uh, obviously, you know, with, with the market where it's at, we were fortunate enough to sell it in 14 months. And, and right now, Rama, our set, our plan B was to sell it earlier and then 1031 into a new deal, which we're currently doing. So with District Flats investors, we're selling District Flats, which closed about uh, a week ago, and we're taking all of the proceeds and moving it into a new property that we have under contract off-market uh, transaction again. And um, that'll be great for our investors as they'll be able to defer some capital gains there to, to help out their tax situations on these deals. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And so with your financial background and accounting background, so would you share like some best practices you have implemented in your multifamily deals? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, one of the biggest things in these transactions, Rama, is, is collaboration. It's really key that all your partners and your employees are at the same, you know, at the same level as you when it comes to any of the transactions that we do. So one of the things that we do, we use Google Sheets and Google Docs to kind of collaborate on our deals. And I'm not plugging for Google at all, but their online collaboration uh, platform is a lot easier to use than Microsoft. So Whenever we take on a deal, uh, I you know I upload the capex plan that we have onto a Google Sheet where our asset managers updating it on a daily and, and weekly basis, and then I'm reviewing it on that end, and, and we're reviewing it in person in, in our weekly meetings. So in order to collaborate, you know, having that online collaboration platform is really helpful. Cool, and thank you. And would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far? Yeah, I mean, one of the best experience that we have, and, and this we've done time and time again, is we take over a deal, uh, you know, we put in our property manager, and we start executing our business plan, which is really, you know, interior renovations and, and exterior renovations. And we rent out units above what we think we can get it at. One of the perfect examples is Vibe on Thomas, which we just bought in April, uh, April, we closed early, I think first week of April or second week of April, we renovated, we renovated about 
about 10 of the 15 units that are currently under renovations right now, Rama. And uh, we have rented them out up to about one to $200 above what we had expected to rent it at. And, you know, it's just a great feeling to get because you know your underwriting is conservative enough to be able to handle those type of rent increases. And, um, and, and it's just good to know that, you know, when you're presenting your plan to investors, you have a good conservative plan. You're not, you know, you're not being aggressive and kind of, you know, twiddling your thumbs there trying to figure out what the right thing is to do. So we've done this time and time again, and it, and it feels great when you see your business plan exceeding your performer. It just, and it feels great telling your investors that um, because, you know, they feel that they've done, made a good choice in investing with you. Cool. Thank you. And would you share any like what a start challenging experience so far in your multifamily journey? Yeah, I mean, one of the <laughs> one of the worst experiences we actually had was related to uh, a zoning report. So in, in multifamily, you know, you typically get a loan to buy the property and, and the lender uh, needs to do their own due diligence, uh, which includes getting third party reports, right? Like environmental property zoning reports and um, property condition reports and stuff. So one of these reports, the zoning report, um, and, and they don't come back for at least, uh, I think, two to three weeks before we close. So for this deal, our zoning report came back and said that we didn't have enough parking spaces at the property. We were about 20 spaces short. It's typically not a problem uh, because, you know, the property is built back in the day and then the zoning plans kind of change. And then, you know, you become illegal almost or non-conforming. But because you've been built, you know, in the 70s, 80s, you kind of get grandfathered in. Well, for some reason, this property it, it, in the records, it didn't show that it was grandfathered in. Um, so the lender was actually having a little bit of a heartache, you know, with uh, trying to fund the loan because the property was coming up as illegally built. And you can't add parking spots. It's already completely built out. So for about four weeks, Rama, we were just going back and forth with the zoning attorney that we had hired and the seller and just trying to make this work out. You know, we, we talked to the city of Mesa. We were talking to, uh, you know, engineers to see if we could add parking spots. But at the end of the day, we were able to, you know, the seller was able to come through, they had uh, received a letter from the city stating that, hey, this property is legal and, and you know, any uh, parking shortages were okay. And then our lender was able to uh, close the deal. So it was a good deal. We closed successfully, but that was a, a scary time because, I mean, these are some things that you don't even think about, you know, these third-party reports because they always come out without any issues. But this is the first time it's ever happened to us. We talked to our um, broker, mortgage broker, um, and they said it's the first time they've ever seen it. And the seller, when we told them, they were just like in disbelief. They were like, this never came up before. You know, I, I don't understand what the issue is. And like, we were on calls with people we didn't even know, you know, we had never talked to before and, and they were teaching us about zoning issues and whatnot. So thankfully we closed it. But for those three, four weeks in the middle, they, they were a little bit of a nightmare because we didn't know what, what was going to happen. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. And so what is your current focus on share something you're excited about now, Vikram? Yeah, no, I mean, Phoenix is definitely, you know, the market that we want to stay in and, and it's forecast to just continue to grow, Rama. We, you know, the population growth out here and, and the job growth is just tremendous. And, uh, you know, that's kind of driving the income growth. And when you have personal income growth, you have rental growth, right? So we were very bullish on Phoenix and Tucson areas. And, you know, we think we want, we want to continue doing deals out here. And um, it's been fruitful. And all the deals that we've had, we've done 
monthly distributions and everything's been performing at or above performa. We've never missed a distribution. And um, it, it's just been really great buying these deals. Our conservative underwriting, you know, kind of makes sure that we go in and we're exceeding performance day one. And uh, we, we like having that feeling to be able to tell our investors that, hey, look, we, you, you made the right choice with investing with us. So we're bullish on Phoenix and, and Tucson and we're continuing to do deals out here. And, and you know, as soon as we see a tide turn, we'll, we'll start looking at other markets. Cool. And thank you. So any one advice that impacted you? Yeah. When we first started in multifamily, I think I read a book called Know Your Why by Simon Sinek. And it really talks about the fact that, you know, a lot of people focus on what they want to do and and how they want to do it, but they never try to, you know, get into the weeds of trying to figure out why they want to get into what they want to do. So it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And, uh, you know, it kind of helped me understand that if you're working in a a position or a job that you don't like, uh, or, you know, that you're not very happy, about uh, try to figure out why you're working there and what's your underlying passion right so once you figure out that passion of why you want to do something uh, the what you do and, and the how they kind of take care of themselves because you found a very the stone that you want to you know keep so it's it's on top of that that you build your your life so i really like that book and really helped me out yep thank you so how are you giving back to community yeah, I mean, we've, uh, Alice and I, uh, you know, from our personal sides, we typically give back a portion of our total income to, to charity. And, and uh, so we're, we increase that every year. So our goal this year is to donate at least 10% of our total income to charity. And uh, that's one way we do it. Um, the other way, you know, we volunteer and, and give back to the local communities as well. So that's, that's a couple of ways that we, we go out and, and try to make sure that, you know, the, the community helps us out and, and we give back and, and help the community out at the end of the day cool cool and how can listeners can connect with you yeah uh, my best way to reach me is my email uh, which is bikron which is my first name at rise48equity.com which is you no know, rise the word rise let, uh, the numbers four eight uh, and then the word equity.com um, you can also uh, visit us at our website at rise48equity.com and uh, set up a call with me and, and happy to kind of share our personal experiences and as well as some more details about the deals that we've done yeah, thank you, Brickman. I really enjoyed the conversation and thank you very much. Yeah, I know. Likewise, Rama. Thank you for having me on and I appreciate the conversation as well. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.